name is William Chan, and I run Home Gallery, a street level uh, window space at 291 Green Street. Welcome to Field Pod's Season 2 series of Summer Shorts. start running Home Gallery, and how long ago was it that you started? This started um, late fall of 2020, and this was months after the lockdown of the pandemic, Yeah. and um, a lot of people were trying to figure out a way to do their art practice, and also just kind of like mentally survive. Once we, I realized, along with everyone else, that the pandemic might last a really long time, it would just seem like a good idea to make art more accessible beyond like Zoom sessions when people were knitting. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> people were knitting and uh, was doing like <laughs> Zoom art club, which is great. I thought it was great, but at some point that that also kind of like ran its course. So uh, I was like a lot of people. I was just like walking and running. That's all we could do. Nothing was open. Uh, no gallery. No museums were open. So when I saw this window space. Uh, which I've seen for, for a long time. It's been around, mm-hmm. uh, but has never been used for a long time. No one right. group has done it for a long time. And I just saw it for rent sign, for rent sign. And the money made sense. I was able to afford it. And uh, because I, I it's funded by my personal background, it, so money was not a problem. It was, it was right after I got that money, actually, like around that time. Um, so it just makes sense. It makes sense to do it, and even before then, um, you know, I, I've been out of school for maybe like five years, and starting to really question what art practice is a good thing. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. You, know, you go to art school, and it's all about <clears throat> a showing at the biggest museum or being represented, and and after five years of kind of understanding the mechanism behind that i realized that's not a very healthy way to live your life you know showing art in the storefront uh you know it's really why i went into art you know really just kind of like figuring yourself out and letting and connecting with people to start a conversation so that the audience can can kind of join in in the thought process yeah which was not happening, I think, when you were just showing in the museum or gallery. So yeah. I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. That's my 10 minute, <laughs> that's my 10 minute answer. No, I mean, it seems like- I'm done with, the, I'm done with this podcast. We're done. Yeah. That was it. Thank you. That was it. End of interview. Um, no, but I really feel like it makes so much sense as a COVID project that it yeah. kind of started that way. But also, I mean, it makes sense with all of the values that you are constantly espousing to people. It is a way of interacting not just with the art community of like nine people, as we were just saying before we were recording, like the same people you see at every opening. That's not what you want. That's also something that I don't want. I want to bring in more like questions about how art can be not just about the market, but actually about intervening in people's lives in meaningful ways. Um, Because for me, that's how I use my art practice. That's also what I kind of hope to do with a lot of my curatorial projects. Not to say like running field projects, we participate in 
every kind of normal expected you know art fair that you can think of and we have regular gallery shows but it's really hopeful to me to see a space like home gallery that can be a little bit more open to just like people walking by on the street being able to actually stop and look at the work because as we were saying before too and i think this is so important there isn't some gallerist just staring you in the eye and scaring the fuck out of you and making you leave you know like it's not like walking you said earlier into a lamborghini dealer and feeling like i don't belong here and not being able to go in you know like window shopping on top of the fact that again like covid has made it really like a very good space to have in a lot of ways because it's technically like can be socially distanced no matter what <laughs> um it's also like a way of inviting people people are used to looking into shop windows right um, and so just the format of the space that you rented is really, really important, I think, for the kind of intervention you want to do. So then my other thing is, this is like right in your neighborhood, right? So you walk past this all the time. It was funny you were saying that the most running I've ever done was in 2020, like during the beginning of the pandemic, because that's like all I was doing. You know, there's nothing to do. I would run around the same cemetery every day, just like loops and loops, you know. Finding this space, you kind of had your eye on it for a while or it was just like a space you knew of? I knew of because it's it's really at the center. Like for those who are, for those listening, I love things. <laughs> <laughs> for those listening in, the, in home, in the worldwide, I'm familiar with this area and obviously uh, Gavin Brown was on the third floor a while back. It's 47 Canal and now the car is still here. And at the time, James Cohen was still uh, next to us, so yeah. it's, it's at the center of the Lower East Side um, art district, so to speak, among many other places. This is not the only block, but um, certainly this is a great building. Companies around the corner of the, the, the other side of this building, Miguel Abreu, is mm -hmm. so this is really a top-notch. And also, you know, this is goes back to like pre-COVID, there's just way more good artists, good people that are not showing. But they're, they're in the studio thinking about ideas and, and concerns and the human condition. But because of their work or their intentions, don't necessarily work with selling. Right. So, but then to be able, to, the way I look at it, to be able to put those type of artists and their work in the same vicinity, if not in a better, in a better I get more eyeballs than any one particular gallery. And it's my way to kind of intervene. It's, a, it's, a, it's really a social practice, everything I do. I'm not even, I don't even know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm more like an activist mindset than say an artist. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's a void that needs to be addressed more than me putting all my time making my own art, which I think I'm a, I'm a perfectly great artist too, but it's listening. Um, <laughs> Give him a show. Give me a show. Um, but I think, you know, like, yeah, there's just way too many good artists. And the problem is when you go to, and there's so many MFA degrees now. Oh my and, God, and yes. now there's like, there's just this doctorate for like art making versus like just art history. And what they don't talk about is how narrow this, the art system is right now. Yeah. And some people need to expand that. And a lot of people are. Um, um, I mean, I was just reading about laundry mat project, and they're doing a lot of stuff. So there's a lot, you know, you, there's so many ways, and this is my tiny gesture of. So far, you will be the twentieth uh, exhibition, 
So roughly 25, 30 artists have shown in this window that I feel are just as good as anybody else. If you put your work in MoMA with the right lighting and scale and production value, no one would know the difference because your, your work is just as good. Yeah. It's just that we can't afford the scale. We can't afford a like two story high white wall to put a small painting to make it look grand. You know, that's yeah. really the biggest difference. I, I wouldn't say that I wanted to be a gallerist or a window storefront person. It's just my way to address a need in my community. Yeah, the and gap also, the gap that's there. Yeah, and I no mean, different if your project. Like everyone and, and the goal is that you, you're not here to be the savior, we just one, you know, community. I try to build community because i I have my deficiencies. Um, and someone just asked me how do I choose artists? Well, I try not to choose I choose enough artists where I feel like it's, it's something I know about. So I tend to yeah. curate a lot of Asian artists because I know this area, I, I feel like I could speak about it with authority. Yes. But then when it comes to like, like I, I'm very much concerned about abortion, but I try not to be at the forefront of that conversation. Like I, at best, I want to be on the side or behind and listen and support, but I would never curate a show about abortion. I don't feel like I had that agency to yeah. speak about that, that subject versus yeah. someone else. So, and you know, I think like participant, uh, Leah, it's someone I respected like for so, so long. Yeah. And yourself, Field Project, is uh, Chris and Jacob, Chris, I mean, I'm using them <laughs> uh, Like they're just people I respect and, and it's up to them to figure it out. I don't, and it doesn't have to be perfect. The goal isn't to make the, the window perfect. Yeah. The goal is to kind of have this organic conversation between you and the viewer without all the parameters of a, of a gallery show where people will freak out. If you, I always hear how people freak out like when they have to install for a show or prep for a show. Like, I don't want that pressure. Like, it should be an ongoing conversation. This is not like a final thesis oral examination like you shouldn't feel that this it's <laughs> ongoing yeah you know so i want this to feel ongoing i feel like a conversation yeah, not it not doesn't an end, end. Yeah. yeah like the things that you talk about in your exhibition doesn't end that day just because you presented it in, in like a in like a ribbon gift box it's it, you're starting your half of the conversation and you have to keep pushing that conversation so that it, it, it becomes action right Art, changes someone's mind hopefully but that's that person with the new perspective has to then take it into the real world are they going to vote are they going to be nicer yeah. are they going to call out uh mansplaining or like like if they see the co-worker or they are the finance bro that's a that's a derogatory <laughs> i used to be finance but um but yeah like that's yeah. like are you, we don't need to change i don't need to change anyone that i went to grad school with we all think pretty much the same. Yeah. But having a background in finance and the military, those are the people I feel like I could build a bridge mm -hmm. because I have that background to say, hey, maybe it's not cool to use your power as, as a superior to then maybe hook up with a, with, with a female support. Right, right. Which happens a lot. All the time. It's also acceptable in most it's almost something that we assume as normal in so many fields. Yeah. So how do we bring that and say, hey, no, it's not. Like, 
Yeah, yeah the power dynamics are not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. Like, and because it's so, this is such an important thing that art is so useful for, right. is just bringing out things like that, like with the ability to use art for a conversation. I never want to curate a show where the show is the end, and then you yeah. expect to sell everything, and you expect it to go into some fucking rich person storage unit. That's my nightmare. I just don't want that. That is, in, in no fault, I actually, I think, I used to be more critical, but I think uh, at the end, commercial galleries, uh, they're, they're very open. They, they're, they're there to sell something, and without them, they will, there will be less people with money. Um, they, that's, the, that's the two sides. And also, yes. a lot of them now, they open the, the space, and it looks like a mi mini museum. They, you know, they mm -hmm. scale, so it's free, mm -hmm. there's no charges, people can go mm -hmm. in. At least for artists, for art people who go into commercial galleries. Yeah, yeah. for people who feel comfortable. Yeah, it. which is basically yeah. art artists, people only. Art right? people. Um, so I and I think they are transparent about their mission, which is to sell. Yeah. And they try to do it ethically. As so, I don't blame them because they, I don't think they're hypocrites. They are who they are. I'm more critical of museums, especially when they take public funding. Exactly. Because like they, the Met has recently upped all of its prices. Yeah. You know, and, for, and are and are kind of proud of it. You know, yeah. like the people I've talked to who work at the Met or higher up, they're never going to listen to this podcast. It doesn't matter. Are like super excited that they did this. It's thirty five dollars for people out of I state. Can. What? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I it's criminal. <laughs> like they have plenty of funding from other sources. Yeah. There's no reason for it to a not be free to people who live in New York and B, not be pay what you want for everybody else. Like, yeah. sorry. Well, I'll, I'll get into this soapbox now because this is something I care about a lot. But I'm, I'm going to use MoMA because that's, but it, it's, it's, it's just an entry point to, to all institutions. Yes. But, so it's not anything against MoMA. I love what they do. I have many friends who work there who I, I know have a really good heart. But it's much like police. I, I also have a lot of friends who are police officers and I, and I think they try their best. But when the system is so powerful, ingrained to serve a certain purpose, individuals make it really hard. This is the power dynamic you're talking yeah. about. When someone gets to be a senior curator or director at MoMA, it's a once-in-a-lifetime position for them. And it would be really hard for them to ask them to whistleblow and basically ruin their career that they spent 30 years. Yeah. That doesn't excuse them. But I, it's, that's how powerful it is like to, to ask people within to boycott or protest. So with regard to, to MoMA, let's say, so just to understand generally how, how museums work or big, on any big institution that includes our universities, the board of trustees are, in, in MoMA's case were recruited what, uh, based on their wealth. And the majority of them are wealthy people um, and then there's a few sprinkled non-wealthy people to kind of like mm -hmm. <laughs> to help with the quota. To quality, attempt to, some kind to of... Help, to help with the, <laughs> with the diversity quota. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the team photo of the trustees that, uh, and you Google their background, they're mainly wealthy people. So basically this guy, Leon Black, who was the previous chair, he made his money um, in finance. And in, in, the, in the more kind of shady side of finance. Yeah. But at this point, he's not. But he's one of those people who outbid a lot of artwork in the market. Like, he double, he, he double, he overpaid, often double the price to buy certain artwork for, let's say, $40 million. Uh, and he would pay $80 million. 
and then he would then donate to or at least he would donate not donate to keep but he would let MoMA have that collection which then the MoMA would, have, would pay for insurance and things like right. that which is very expensive uh, so he's a billionaire he's in, he's one of the richest people um, uh, and and basically we, we found out later on that he was one of the people who f- supported Jeffrey Epstein after Epstein was already uh, so this is so from 2012 to 2017 he gave Epstein 150 million dollars in fees for for quote-unquote financial advice and this is when he was already known as a was it adolescent trafficker in Florida this is like now we know and and Leon Black like he he knows finance better so it would be like Bill Gates asking me for like technology advice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like why would you so why would you why would someone who is such a public figure pay Jeffrey Epstein one hundred and fifty million? And now that we understand how Jeffrey Epstein worked, he used money because he's such money the the, the money dynamic yeah. that he could buy an island to do the things that he does. Okay, all right, let me just make this uh, really short. So basically, Leon Black uh, was the chairperson. There was a lot of pushback um, about his involvement uh, with both Jeffrey Epstein after Epstein was knownly a convicted um, minor trafficker. And also he owned a company that was like a mercenary company in yeah. Iraq. And this is the time when PS1, MoMA PS1, was doing a show called Theaters of Operation which talks about uh, this whole thing. Yeah. So, but then the show didn't address the fact that your, your, your chairperson was actually the people that the artists were talking about. So to go back a little bit, why this matters, um, the board of trustees usually don't get into the day-to-day thing, or the day-to-day operation of any institution. Yeah. But they are the ones who finally hire or fire the director. So the director becomes the face. And if you believe that the director acts independently of the board, it's bullshit. They, right. And, and they would tell you, well, uh, you know, I have autonomy, they don't. Because it's all about money. Of course. And the so, power dynamics yeah. there. I mean, there's so much power over that director yeah. by the board. And, and you know, the most notable recent uh, case was at the, the Queen's Museum, mm-hmm. uh, Laura Radvich. Sorry, Laura. Radvich. Hope you're listening. Um, <laughs> I totally admire you. And she, she was forced to resign by the board. Yeah. So for me, art cannot be censored. When you censor art, you're basically making art for a particular purpose. It becomes propaganda. Yes. So basically, Leon Black was never asked to leave the board. In any other situation, this person will be asked to leave any board. Yes. But he was basically, he had a two-year run, I believe, and then when that term ended, he just became a regular board member and not the chair. And then the next person that they, the current chair, is actually a super conservative. Uh, I forgot her name either. <laughs> uh, but you could Google that. So her husband donated a, a million dollars to the Trump inauguration. Uh, and, and this is... Is like, that true? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and I think in 2015, the club that she, like, she was... She, she, she belongs to a lot of conservative political think tank. That's her whole career. They presented a Lifetime Achievement Award to Rupert Madoff. And I think this is the picture where she presented mm-hmm. an honoring Rupert Madoff. This is 2015. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. 20- this, is, this is, we're looking at a hyperallergic article. Um, Marie Jose Kravis is yeah, the new she's chair. She's the current chair. 
and think about this, that if you are an institution that in 2020, 2021, with all that we are dealing with, you, a cultural institution would elect a super conservative whose husband, her husband donated a million dollars to the Trump inauguration to buy favor. Think about who will donate a million because they want to get in. This is post-Trump. Yeah. Yeah. But we all freaking out yeah. that day. Uh, he's like, oh, let me get into the game. And he was actually, uh, he was in the conversation for yeah. one of the cabinet positions. But I think something happened and he didn't. So think about the conversation that is, that's been had in that board of trustees, then the mindset. It's, it's like a finance group. And so now we are dealing with all these issues with the Supreme Court. She's responsible. To me, to me in my adult lifetime, Fox News, Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump are yeah. the three entities or individuals that have led us to this moment where we are fighting for our lives just to get a balance between. Yeah. I respect Republicans because we need multiple any any Points country. Yes. Yeah, any country yes. needs two or three parties, period. So I have to accept whatever the other party is. But right now it's not balanced. Right now No, and we should have more than two parties. Sorry. To totally. Yeah. Totally. But right now we're so in such a dire situation. We have to keep a six three or or from going to a seven two Supreme Court, which becomes generational issues. So when MoMA joined the Pride Month, their Instagram logo was a Pride flag MoMA. Yeah. And I was really upset because you are exactly part of the reason. Right, you honor Uber made up in 2015. By yeah. 2015, you know he like yeah. Fox News was fucked up. It was fucked, of course. Right. It was obvious then. Yeah, completely. So like, if you want to be friends with Donald Trump in 1995, I get it. He's a celebrity. He's a goofball. Like he's Howard Stern, no problem. Right. But to be friends with him at 2018, no. Even. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. this is my problem. It's like they went. They instead of addressing a need. They made it, they doubled down. They went from a, a pedophile enabler and a ruthless <laughs> finance guy Christ. to a person who's ultra conservative. Who's enabling the- The very thing your art your yeah. exhibition talks about. So yeah. I feel like, and so that's my soapbox, I apologize, but this is really important to me. No, I think it's super important. In the end, you have to know where the money comes from and money when is that when the when the power dynamic is so extreme you cannot ask individuals to give and sacrifice and that's why i'm like i'm really like like pro free healthcare a lot of people they stay at their work just for the healthcare. yes and a lot of people go bankrupt from one surgery yes. so they're like i hate this job this is not what i want to be about but i cannot leave this job because or, of healthcare. Or they're a single parent. Yeah, yeah. Or they're a single parent that like, I need to stay in this job for my kids healthcare until like, he or she is 18. Yeah. So like all these power dynamic, there's no reason why healthcare is attached to a job. It seems so clear that there's simple things that could be fixed with healthcare. Also, I mean, that was sort of the problem that I'm, I wanted to bring up earlier is we were talking about galleries and commercial galleries and the way that they're kind of a redistributor of wealth. But like, why, why does it have to be, like we could have so much more, we have tons of government money going into the police, 
going into the military that could be redistributed into like real social programs, you know, aside from just healthcare, which I'm completely on board with you. I think we should have yeah. free healthcare. My friends who don't live in the States and come from places that have at least somewhat free healthcare are just like blown away yeah. by coming here and being like, this is like fucking unexpectedly extraordinary. Just the level of impoverishment that people yeah. see here is shocking. Uh, Cause it's not portrayed in the media like in places in Europe or like in Japan, right? Like yeah. you don't see that. <laughs> you just, well, you see America as like this wealthy. It's money. It's all about, it's, yeah. it's not even race. It's all about laser power and it's financial power. It is cultural power. Yeah. And um, that's that's the currency that they care for. And they the cultural powerhouse of the mirage of what the United States is yeah. too. Totally so outside. All that kind of like preaching, I try to digest that and, and live that way holistically in, in, in my art practice too. So the window is kind of my art practice. It just sounds really horrible to say it. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel horrible saying it. Uh, it's a like, social practice project. It you is. Already, yeah. Uh, but I think I don't want it. I don't want the participant to feel like it's a project. Because yeah. that's why in that sense it's not. It's geared towards the audience and the artist. It's, it's, I'm just giving you the, the most platform for you guys to engage. And, and then I walk away. I don't really tell people what to do. Like I don't. It's not about me. I don't. I don't even like put my name anywhere around it. Yeah. Generally, uh, unless I just needed to help generate funding, let's say down the road. Yeah. I have other ideas. I definitely want to help. Like, um, I but definitely want to help writers and stuff too. They don't get paid at all. That's crazy. Nope. Yeah. I write. I never get paid for things. Yeah. So like, <laughs> or I, you get paid like seventy bucks to write an article for. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But so I think I didn't want to do that yet because uh, I don't want people to feel like there's a there's mm -hmm. a conflict, conflict interest. So I think once like once if this ends in this iteration, is is always meant to be like maybe it would become a magazine and and I would just pay what the same idea but it would yeah. be a magazine because I like to have printed books back again I feel like I miss I miss like, printed books like, I like, agree like a, like a nice mm -hmm. you know maybe just once a year like a nice oh, yeah. bound book and uh, that could still be affordable like a well done book yeah well you know? written nice yeah. feels good and not too big um, I don't buy art only because it's too big like, I don't know where to put it um, all my art is just kind of like personal fun stuff maybe the next iteration of home gallery might be something more oriented toward once again it'd be, it'd be a, upon the needs of what i think you know should be addressed because i really didn't know much about the writing issue it's the same as like visual yeah. artists it's the same boat they they basically like you you have to be privileged to be a curator artist or writer because mm -hmm. you, you basically have or to have like a thousand jobs <laughs> yeah like and then and this is also yeah. part of the class system this is the power dynamic too that i you know i don't I, i'm not able to do it by myself but i'm very cognizant of individuals that that might be like it's like they are sacrificing food to put on the show and to know and then the galleries don't tell them. A lot of times it doesn't sell. But like I want more transparency. Yeah. Like, so a lot of time we, a lot of people don't talk about the real buying and selling. I know galleries. I know commercial galleries that buy their work. Yeah. And uh, and then like you know, a lot of art collectives they don't sell because they don't have that networking. 
Yeah. Uh, they did. They probably just like sold their own work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's such a good point, and I do feel like transparency about sales is another thing that could and should be added to like the field projects website. Because this is something that like I feel like infographics are the fucking way to go, especially yeah, with nice social media. Nice like easy, easy quick. Yeah little visual I mean, whatever, a pie chart. breakdown of the, yeah. of the people of color. In the I just think it's, I mean, it's obviously, it's complicated to yeah. put anything like that into data. Um, we have self-identifying charts for both gender identity and like your background. And we could add that. I think this is an excellent idea. For some reason, I hadn't really thought about that. Well, it's also, it's also the mystique, like, you know, a lot we a lot of because we 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 in a scarcity model. Yeah. We are not looking. It's a it's a the Ivy League are not looking to expand the Ivy League. They're looking to keep their brand so that they're considered the best. Yeah. And a lot of galleries, they don't want to talk about the failures. They don't want to talk about um. I mean, or university. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, it's like the truth is many galleries go out of business. And, and they they ride the first five years out of their own money, which once again goes to us privilege. Who are able to finance a gallery for a few years in Lower yeah. East Side or Tribeca, and then take the loss, and then in the, in the process they're curating a very narrow point of view. Not because they're bad people, it's just that you grew up a certain way. Yeah, that's what you think yeah, the world yeah. is. Without bringing in more voices that are not yours, yeah. you don't come from the same. Yeah. social status or racial background or whatever yeah. like and it's hard yeah. and, and ultimately you try to do a sustainable gallery which means you have to sell at some point you have to say hey the rent is ten thousand the intern is two thousand the taxes is five thousand you're like i need to sell 30 grand a month on average which is really difficult unless you you are a salesperson so unless you come from a sales background and you have that thick skin and that little personality, yeah. you're not gonna make thirty grand. Totally. Compared to like competing against like established galleries, so a lot of people don't understand that. But they, they, you know, it's tough. Um, I'm kind of on a tangent now, but basically, there's a lot of issues that that needs to be addressed and be transparent, ideally. But everyone is fighting for themselves. And it's not a critical thing about them. I'm not being critical of them because, you know, it's only natural to be selfish. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but how do you be ethical while caring about your own objective? I guess. Yes. Yeah. Like how do you balance being a good person but also putting food on your table and going on vacation? Yeah. You know, like everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. every one of my friends are going on vacation. They have three BMWs, right? Um, and I'm like, I just don't want to have a roommate. Like my goal, my goal, my goal is not to have a roommate yes. in, yes. in in New York City and maybe a landlord that had that allows me to have AC in the summer without like oh, yes. itching, complaining, and that you're and no rats. I prefer no rats. Yes. Um, I, yeah, that would be the thing. Yeah, a yes. safe neighborhood with AC mm. and no and roommate. no rats. Yeah, like the, I, I don't. <laughs> They can live their own life, nothing against them, but like they live their own house. I prefer them <laughs> not in my house. Yeah, so many things. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this just all comes back to again, like 
first of all, and trying to change anything is always uncomfortable and yeah. you have to be willing to be out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I think so many like galleries who start a gallery coming from having like private funding or whatever that have the background to do it, you get to a place where you like don't even know what it means to feel uncomfortable, I think. Yeah. Like this kind of like lack of desire to interface with communities outside of what you're used to yeah. is one of the major problems of the art world yeah. in general, you know, which is why, again, as we were saying at the beginning of our talk, I feel like home gallery is really great for that because yeah. people do just walk by. Like I've seen people just walk by and kind of stop and yeah. look at art who never, well, I shouldn't say who would never look at art, but who would probably not just go it's into a gallery. It's fair to say that they won't look at art. It's you fair. know, like, there's tons of galleries around here. Did they stop and go into any of them? No. Well, I, I would yeah. say this. I, I try to explain this too. There's a niche, let's say, the Juilliard niche. There's the opera, mm -hmm. there's the ballet dancer. Within that niche, they think that that world of art is like way bigger. Yes. But even with an MFA, with someone who's really interested in art, I know nothing about people who went to Juilliard or conservatory afterwards or it doesn't it's not a bubble that i yeah. would actually go into and they need to make a better like effort to broaden it otherwise yes. it's, just, it's just like a it's, it's a it's a self-fulfilling niche it's like it's as important as latin at some point like it just it's like you know it just it looks like it's very like appreciative but people just go to be to be seen as going to lincoln center to dress up but they're not even watching whatever is watching right so i think you know and I think, especially in this country now, and maybe it's always been that way, we, we don't have thinkers. Like, where are the thinkers? And, and it seems more and more thinkers are like, you know, comedians. And there are, mm -hmm. there are people with essays, but, mm -hmm. but the, the traditional thinkers are now so polarized because their, their job depends on being a Fox News or CNN or something like that. They, their opinion gets really extreme and not like a really long form thought out thing. Yeah. And I find for me during the Trump time, that comedians and their writers, not really the comedians, but all the people who write the stuff, they do a better job conveying complex issues to something that's digestible for like the mainstream. I think Jon Stewart has been a great like, yeah. like conduit. I agree. Yeah. That's a starting point. So the, the idea is not that Jon Stewart gives you everything, and truncates like a 10 page essay into like a one minute bit, but enough for you to have a starting point. And I think the same thing with the, with the, with the home gallery. If you look at it for 30 seconds in, in the era of social media, I think you, like, people are just walk around it's with their achievement. phone. It's like a big achievement because everywhere else is a captive audience. If I pay 30 bucks to the Met, I would walk my ass <laughs> to the 30 bucks. Because like, you, you had me, you had me at yeah. the 30 bucks. And same yeah. thing with the but here, I'm really trusting that enough people, even if it's just like a hundred a day or a hundred a month, that's a pretty good thing for one gesture because it's not captive. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and I, I think quite often people come back and forth. So I'm not to toot my own horn too much, but it's been really rewarding and it's doing exactly what I want to do. And I'm really like, it's like just the perfect location. And I think it's been run in a way that the gesture has always been welcoming. Like when we have openings, like, like yeah. be for everyone. Yeah. I don't care. Like the goal is for everyone, 
like we don't really publicize. I love I when I say we, just me. <laughs> <laughs> the royal we, <laughs> the will royal we. But like yeah, like it's it's very inclusive. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I had a kid one time come by and then we had like a bottle of like champagne. It's like mm-hmm. can I take the whole bottle? I was like yeah, okay. It just took the bottle. <laughs> But that's the whole point. It's like I'm, yeah. just, I'm, I'm, I'm planting seeds <laughs> where like I hope you come back. If you don't come back, that's great. That's great too. Yeah. I'm excited to see what you do next. I think this has been an amazing project. I'm sure you have other sort of social practice oriented ideas about interventions that you want to make. Yeah. You know, and I think that'll be great. I'm also excited about the idea of you starting a book. I mean, even if the publication is a once a year publication, there are so few like powerful good outlets that actually pay writers and give them a platform to do you know first I want to pay them yeah so my goal in my head is just pay them a good money and then there's no there's no expectation you do it when you can whenever you can and like uh, the book is going to come out at a certain time if you you get it to me you'll be part of it (laughs) you know if you don't get it to me then you won't be part of it it's amazing how that uh (laughs) works you know (laughs) yeah it's it's because i yeah because i think right now so many people are driven by parameters that they never that that never invested in yeah so here it is no complaining this is this is an opportunity this is a fees this is what it could be. If you're interested, go crazy on it. Write a manifesto if you like about about the world. You could, you, know, you could just write two letters. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to have that. Do the same thing for like writers. What I'm doing at home gallery, and then just make a book out of it. Yeah. It'd be nice to like, like put in storage. Like you don't have to like lug around like like a big painting. Or yeah, but I also feel like you know the books. I do miss physical books, you know, and like having like a real thing to actually flip through and read. I read on my phone so much now, it's like crazy. But it's because there's so few like publications that make it feel like I I want to buy the book too, you know. It's weird. It's weird. We we live, we see the change in society. And then I think we we both old enough that we are adults to be part of that change. But I want to say this though, many people, even though it's always a small number of people who write history correctly, so to speak. Um, many people have came before us. Everyone is coming down now, I think. <laughs> I, uh, let me close this out. Uh, first of all, thank you, um, Chris, and also Jacob for doing Field Project, and, and just being really good people. Um, you know, when they ask me, like, how do I select people, I, um, I, I, I don't work with assholes or like, which is very different. <laughs> Good policy. Which is very different than to look for perfect people. There's no such thing as perfect people. You're just being judgmental. Um, I'm all for imperfection, but the, I don't like to work with lazy people because then it means I have to work harder. So, <laughs> but I'm being serious. Like, you know, there's just too many good art out there that I don't, that there's no need to enable bad people to be successful I and, and I won't stop them to be successful like uh, in the same in the same vein like if you are successful whatever that means for you great but I would not be part of that circle like you are who your friends are that cliche totally is something I live by um, and it's your job to enable a better world in every facet of way but I, what I want to say about for anyone who's listening for all three million that's out there listening <laughs> right now um, there's always only a small amount of people making changes that are needed for whatever reason. 
um, that's just history. But what the way the opportunity that I have today is because a lot of people really kind of looked at the world and made it better, so that I got it better. Like as bad as you know, gender inequality, as bad as all the injustices that we experience today, I still think America is better today than it was a hundred years ago and two hundred years ago. But we have to keep fighting. Like I hate when people romanticize the struggle as some like lifetime thing. Yeah. Not everything has to be a biopic. You know, like you don't need eighty years to like get paid. Yeah. Or get healthcare. Like this is like nonsensical and and we lack urgency because we have been normalized to believe that the struggle is romantic. We don't need that. Like you have to also remember there are people who would die who have never seen a black president or that who would never seen the justice deliver. Like our goal should be like less pain and less issues before they die. Yes. <laughs> There's no need for generational like fighting injustice. You know, it's just approach it like a business. Will your business let a problem linger for 80 years? And this is where I never understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we could talk forever, but uh, come, yeah. come to uh, Chris's show at Home Gallery at 291 <laughs> Street, Lower Manhattan. Um, and it'll be up for a while. Up for a long time. Actually, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but it's going to be up uh, way past this podcast coming out. So there'll be ice cream almost every day. Just come. Um, you might have to buy yourself. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not saying I'm offering it, but there'll be ice cream in the in the local groceries. Support your community. Yes, um, for sure. Thanks, Will. This was great. No, we're not done. No. <laughs> Thirty more minutes. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> Thirty more minutes. I guess. Cool. This is Field Pod Summer Short. Have a great summer. In this, only in the stale, only if we could do it in the third floor stale. We just exactly. Like one, yeah, yeah. One stale. Now the car go slowly up toward. Um, just, just so that you know what's going on uh, for, the, for our listeners, uh, like for our listeners, uh, we are on the ground level of a stairwell um, between many galleries. So each time we do this, the next time we, I will only do it on a second floor gallery uh, with the galleries getting upset. At us.